Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Petite Syrah, a little extra. Put this all wrecked in your cerebral cortex. You want me to rap? Think I'd rather take a nap. It's a wheel. It's your feels. It's, it's the, the best nightcap. Cheers. Hi. Hey. You're listening to Petite Syrah. The little extra. That feels right. That feels right. <laughs> that felt <laughs> so good to me. <laughs> All um, right. I'm going to spin this wheel for you, Kat. Go for it. Oh, it's on blue. Sad. Okay. Do well, you have any sad I... stories to share with us? So I work in labor and delivery, and I'm so sorry. I'm going to share a sad story. So just trigger warning about loss. So if anyone um, is not in a place where they feel like they can hear anything about loss, please skip this episode. Um, oh, thanks for the trigger warning. Yeah. So I don't I, even think of that. <laughs> I had a, a my first fetal demise recently, which was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something you think about. Like, when is it going to happen? What am I going to do? What's it going to feel like? And, you know, of course, it's incredibly sad. Um, so this patient was 23 and four days, I think, 23 weeks and four days. And I guess the fetus had a lot of anomalies that were not compatible with life. So they had given it, um, they went to like a really big hospital and they gave the mother a potassium injection, which potassium stops the heart. So the fetus um, died. It wouldn't have lived anyway. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. That totally mm-hmm. makes sense, but I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. I didn't either, honestly, until I had this patient. I didn't know that that's something that um, could be done. So uh, then they induced the mom and to you know get the baby out. So you know, I was taking care of her one of the other nurses when we were getting report, cause they kind of choose our patients. who's like, I just can't do it. I was like, it's fine. I'll take it. It's fine. I have to do this at some point. Um, so, you know, of course you go in there and they're sad and you don't know until you do it. Like how, how are you going to be? Are you going to, how are you, what are you going to say to them when you walk in there? Um, but it yeah. just kind of flowed naturally. And I just was respectful and, um, but you don't want to not talk about things. So you just gauge how they're feeling and just yeah, like in. you can't walk around it and avoid right. the subject. Right. And sometimes people to want to talk. It. Yeah. And sometimes people want to talk about it. So you just depends. They didn't really want to, they didn't really want much involvement in the baby and everything, but just spin in and she ended up, um, you don't have to be completely dilated to have a little tiny baby like that, 23 weeks. So she ended up having her baby just, I was the only one in the room um, because it just came out. <laughs> I, I told her to tell me if something had changed, but she didn't really say much. So I didn't know she had felt more pressure anyway, but the baby had come out. Um, and then I called everyone in and she pushed the rest of it out. And, um, yeah, so I just got together a memory box and we did footprints and handprints. And um, there are these women that donate these beautiful gowns that they make for babies. They're called angel gowns. So they make them from old um, wedding dresses and they make them into like these little tiny satin gowns. And then they have little tiny donated 
knit hats that they make for the baby. And I wrote a little card. They were Spanish speaking. So I just wrote a little card from labor and delivery that we're thinking of them and there's hard time. Um, and then depends on the family that they can hold the baby as long as they want and see it. We have like a, something called a cuddle cot. So it keeps the baby um, cold so that they don't deteriorate and mm-hmm. they can see it as often as they want or spend time with it. And um, they, this particular family didn't want that, but I did hold it for a while so that um, they could look at it, look at him. And yeah, it was, you know, I think it would have been even harder if it was like a full term. A few nights before that, there was a full term demise, like it was unexpected. And that would be, mm. I think, even harder because it's like a really, like an act, like a full baby, like full term. <sighs> They're both babies. They're both terribly sad. But, yeah. um, you know, that's. Whoa. It's, it's, I like wasn't yeah. expecting to, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to. <laughs> feel this way. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot. So it's like you're for uh, everyone. Right. And you're you're I think labor and delivery you're a midwife or delivery provider for birth and for death. So sometimes we have to be that support and that kind of vessel there for the transport of that soul and the family to transition. Um in that period of loss. And it's really, it's a sad, and that, that was that it is kind sad. of sad. Like I can't imagine being a, a mom and having to go through all those steps, like mm-hmm. finding out your pregnancy is not going to work out. Right. And then having to make that tough choice of like right. going ahead and like moving along with like delivering the baby and you know, the baby's not going to be alive. Right. And like, that's just, yeah. Oh my God, that's so much. Yeah. And yeah. then you too, like being there and you're the only one with them and they're strangers to you mm-hmm. and you're a stranger to them mm-hmm. and you have to become very close with them all of a sudden. Right. And and in L&D, you always have to be close all of a sudden because you're. it's a very intimate thing you're going through and one of the often hardest and best or worst days of their lives. So you're very close very quickly. Um and, and this is one of the times that you're close quickly in a sad way and not as close because mm-hmm. they're more guarded, um, but you do the best you can. And often it's like you're doing things and make getting the footprints or handprints of the baby and you want to apologize to it. If you're like, Oh, sorry, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and you still care for that little soul, even though they're maybe not with you. Um, yeah. So that was a recent thing I had gone through. That was kind of a, a sad, a sad experience. That I'm sure will happen again. But. That is really sad. Yeah, but, <laughs> I'm. But, thank you for sharing it, though. Yeah. That's. I just you had never even. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, well, I don't should, know why. We, we should have started. We should have started on the sad one and on your story. <laughs> well, we are. I haven't told my story yet, oh. so let's spin and maybe oh, we'll no, have I, a chance for something. Not yay! Sad. Okay, let's good. See. We started on me. I'm like maybe thinking. funny, maybe. Oh, annoying. Pink, annoying. <laughs> I'm still well, laughing. <laughs> I thought you heard me told you. Okay. All right, folks. Sorry for the abrupt change in mood, but yeah. also mm. here comes a little bit of a change in mood if you're yeah. feeling a little sad on that previous story. <laughs> um, okay, so this, <laughs> it 
It is funny only now looking back, but in the moment, there was not a single thing funny about this. I was so upset. I cried. Okay. I don't often cry at work anymore unless there's something truly sad. And this was not sad. This was a me frustrated cry. So let me tell you the story. Um, this is going to be a little bit longer of a petite Syrah. Sorry, everyone. And you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> I was on uh, like a progressive care unit this night. So the patients are, it's kind of like a step-down unit. The patients are slightly more critical than a med surge tele floor, but less critical than an ICU. So, and I had a heavy assignment. I had a patient that was on high flow nasal cannula and he wasn't really super stable on that. If he got up, he like desaturated, his oxygen dropped, his oxygen saturation dropped. And then I had another patient who was on C. diff, uh, isolation, and he had bilateral lower extremity amputations above the knee, and he was confused because of, was it liver failure? Was it kidney thing? I don't remember. He was confused. And then I had another lady who was totally alert and oriented, very stable, really needy, called me constantly, constantly to pee. She had to pee all the time. She didn't have a UTI. She was just like, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go. And she would pee like a little bit. Anyway, it was almost nine o'clock. So I started my shift around seven. It was almost nine o'clock and I had only been in the two patients' rooms who were more stable, the C. diff patient and the lady who needed to use the bathroom. I had not even seen the guy on high flow nasal cannula. Someone else had gotten him up to the bedside commode and I was like, oh no, he's going to be desaturating. Hope somebody can keep an eye on that. The guy with C. diff was pooping constantly. (laughs) constantly. It was just like leaking out of his butt. And he was irritated at this point. Like his skin was so irritated. The barrier cream wasn't really helping. He was also just like frustrated. This There had been days of diarrhea going on. And it was um, actually, let me just step back. He wasn't C. diff positive. He was on isolation for a C. diff screening that was positive. So the rectal mm-hmm. swab was positive. The stool specimen had been sent and was negative. We couldn't take him off precautions because that's our hospital's policy. Policy, So you still have to gown up every time you go in the room. And the night doc, because this is when I was on night shift, did not want to give anything to stop his diarrhea because the night doctors don't ever want to do anything because they have so many patients. They're like, I can't make a good decision about something unless it's an emergency and I have to. And I respect that. That's fine. But I was like, hello, but it has been two hours and he's pooped six times. Can I please get some Imodium? They said no. Oh my gosh. So then I was like, all right, well, there's an order that I see from like a week ago for a rectal tube. Can I still use this order? And they're like, yeah, if it's still there, use it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm assuming it was put in when he was like, not as alert and oriented, but let me go talk to him. That's why I asked, you know, I just wanted to make sure it was still okay to do. Anyways, it was like, let me go talk to the patient. So I go and I talk to him and I explain to him what I think we should do. And he thinks it's a good idea because he's tired of pooping on himself. Mm -hmm. Even though you normally wouldn't put a rectal tube on a patient that's alert and oriented, he was like, sure. And then we talked about it again as I was like preparing for it. And I wanted to make sure he understood. I was like, this is going to be a tube in your butt. You're going to feel it constantly but you won't have any poop on you. And he's like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And then as I brought the supplies in and I showed him, I was like, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. Yep, he's all on board. So I insert the rectal tube. I inflate the little balloon. 
poop starts flowing immediately. I show him, we're both like, yay. And uh, I leave the room feeling like pretty confident that like, you know, I'm not going to have to go in and change him for at least another ever, you know, like I'm not going to have to change him again because he's pooping in a tube. So then (laughs) I get a call from the charge nurse and they say, hey, your patient in such and such room has some food that's delivered to the front desk. (laughs) It's that guy who'd been pooping all night. And I'm like, really? Like he's been eating a ton. He's pooping a ton. And patients, he obviously couldn't go get his own delivery and they can't bring it up to us. I was going to have to go pick it up. Okay. So I go down there, pick it up. I come back and I go into the room and I bring his food in and he had pulled the rectal tube out and there's poop everywhere. Oh my God. Everywhere. And I was so upset. I had only just seen that patient with the high flow nasal cannula and assessed him right before I went down and picked up the food. And I came out of the room and I just started crying. I was like, I can't. This is so dumb. Oh my God. (laughs) So frustrated. Oh my gosh. So and the guy why? was like, I didn't really understand that that's all that that was. And I was like, we talked about it three times. I told you and I showed you. And he was just like, I'm not ready for all that. I was like, so you just want to be in a diaper then and like pooping all the time? Or you want me to just like put this pad under you and you can poop? Because like, I can't get in here fast enough to change you. I have two other patients. And he was like, yeah, that's what I want. And I was like, well, I can't give you your food until you're cleaned up and your fo- I can't take your food out of the room to reheat it because you're in an isolation room. I'm sorry. I was just like <laughs> pissed at him. Oh my gosh. So he just like pulled it out and let it just He just pulled every- it out and it almost looked like he flung it a little bit. I'm sure he yanked it out yeah, and flung yeah, a little bit. Right. You know? And it just <sighs> went everywhere. So you didn't have to clean that, right? The all over the No, room. yes, I did. We don't have care partners in that hospital. Oh, so God, I had to do one, all of oh it. Oh, my God. All oh of it. God. Just me because he I, can turn himself. And we were full. Like, there was nobody else to help. So, yes, I had to do it all. And that is why primary nursing is <laughs> not that great sometimes. That's I mean, the it's, the like, story, awful. And it really sucks that he had to go through that. But, like, also... <laughs> They happen to be at the hospital. You don't have any care partners to help you. Oh, man. I mean, not that like they would like cleaning it up anymore, but like you also had to go see some really high acuity patient. Right. We could at least like take turns. Take turns. Like you clean this and then I'll come back and and clean the other part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's awful. I'm so sorry. (sighs) Uh, Well, well, annoying. Cheers. Pour some more wine for that one. (laughs) I will. Cheers! Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, And it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what ifs and why nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call the bleed.
Instagram network.